Well, TV TV land can relate to the real world. I mean, it TV could. land. It, it, it parallels, right? Um, I don't know. I don't live in the real world. Well, there you go. So that's why you're here. Welcome to the edge of nowhere. Welcome to the Monster Lore Tour Paranormal Deep Dives from the Edge of Nowhere podcast. I am your host, Jeremy Carr, here along with my co-host in the Rosencrantz to my Guildenstern, Mr. Matt Ozero, a.k.a. the Moz. How are we doing today, Moz? I was doing well, but both of them don't do so well in that play. No, as, as the title of one of my favorite movies says, Guildenstern and Rosencrantz are, are dead. Are dead, yeah. It's a great movie. Well, it was a great play, I believe, as well. Probably before the movie. The whole world is a stage, and all of us just lowly players. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'll agree with that. Yeah. That's Rush, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I think. Why, why is that? If you look at the original source, it was Rush, not, not William. Anywho, so uh, <laughs> we are jumping right back in and on our timeline. It's only been about half an hour since we finished the last episode because these two-parters things we like to bang out all at once sometimes so Moz is back in control here we are still on our skin walker saga um we do have one piece of old business from last episode we haven't had much chance to work on it considering it's only been about half an hour it's been a smoke break yeah basically a long smoke break yeah is it about Um, Gilgan's Island because I I'm ready well no it's about the word the word, the word, the word. I'm not talking about bird. Okay. I'm talking about Cicero. Oh, the Cicero. <laughs> yes. Have you had a chance in the last 30 minutes to come up with something better? Let me explain for you, for those just joining us. Anthropologists have really dropped the ball on dark shaman or light shaman or shaman. It doesn't explain or black shaman. All these things don't really work. A dark shaman is going to the underworld. A light shaman or is going to the upper world. But it doesn't not, mean evil. Yeah. There's it's a, not a correlation of good and evil, light and dark. It's, it's kind of the colonizers trying to just do their thing and not really getting what's happening. I don't know why they haven't come up with this word yet. But you said Sith and I said sorcerer last episode. So I think Sith-er. an actual dark shaman who is evil is a Cicero. <laughs> I'm running with Cicero's. I'm going to run with that one. It's a... <laughs> wow, that's a tough word. All right. Well, Cicero. We'll go with that until we come up with something better. How what do you that? mean? I am running with Cicero's. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
think it's fine. It's the two combination. You're gonna hurt somebody running around with sisters. Well, I'm just. It saying, just makes you, ev- everyone sound like you, they have a speech impediment. It explains the sorcerer component, the Sith component of a shaman. When a shaman goes bad, and they've never distinguished that, yeah. even even yeah. in the anthropological papers, they do not. The kinema, they call it the dark shaman. What does that mean? Right. So it's not the light sorcerer and the dark sorcerer. It's the sorcerer and the Sith sorcerer. Yeah. Oh my goodness, that's hard to say. We're gonna we're gonna practice. Okay. You know. We'll we'll lock it down by the time we get we're to the next lock episode. This down. Yep. All right. Anyhow, uh, before we really get going, you really should go check out our website, monsterloretour.com, and our member section at Patreon at Patreon.com/slash/monsterloretour. Uh, any stories, questions, comments, email us at monsterloretour at gmail.com. I don't feel like doing the whole big spiel today, so I'm going to leave it at that. Oh, I think we're good. Go right ahead, Moz. Last week, which was actually one smoke break ago for us because we're in a different time kind of. Oh, our timeline. Time and space moves very differently for us. Yeah, we loop around ourselves a lot we're on the pretty timeline. loopy. We mentioned loop in the lab, which is between See? Winslow and Flagstaff. It all comes back in, in a loop form. It's like, next stop, Willoughby. But anyway, so last week we reviewed some of the commonalities of the skin Walker experience and so many of the similar monsters lurking in this demon-haunted world of ours. We discussed our own related experiences, or some of them, more to come. And uh, I just I created a spreadsheet, and I, I want to talk a little bit more about that, even though I don't, I don't yeah, have we were it. Talking about how uh, the way too many columns it has. It has way too many columns. We need we need Excel spreadsheet expert. I just don't know how to get it on the website in a format that you can see it. We just need a bigger website, duh. Oh, there you go. <laughs> we we need a seventy inch screen website. It'll be fine. But from whistling to red eyes to totemism to cannibalism to mimicry, we see these themes globally. I'm not ready to actually produce it, but I want to get that on the Patreon members section at some point so people can add to it. I want references. Right. Exactly. I want it to be pretty. we got to figure out the format um, to get it accessible on there. Yeah. Formatting, you know, not so much where we're at right now, but uh, I'm going full-on shapeshifter soon, so we are going to be talking about this more and more. Uh, but I want to honor the particular Volkadonkin of the Southwest and get back to the skin walkers and get away from this global stuff so we want to discuss them today and i think there's a piece of it that's associated with you know so some of the theories behind it there's the peyote component we haven't discussed sure. well we got a little bit into the psychedelic element last time but i want to make the point that even dmt we have a certain amount in our brain yeah it's out at this threshold level when it goes over that threshold bam we're in another state of consciousness yeah somewhere along the spectrum uh, so just percolating just on the neurochemical horizon is this thing that you, I always wonder. Oh, so we exist on the edge of consciousness. Right. Well, on the edge of. And the edge is where the monsters show up. Right. Whoa. So even, even in the synapses, where does the, where does the action happen in the brain? Yeah. The space between the chemical and the electrical impulse, the synapse, wow. the boundary. That's where the monsters are in our brain. We're going to meditate always, on that later. Always finding monsters in the boundaries. Um, but I want to get back to the native angle because that's where we're trying to stay today. And I want to repeat the George Knapp one, if I could, from last week. He said, while mainstream scientists are unlikely to ever give credence to any theory based on tribal lore or the black magic power of shape-shifting Indian witches, 
it is difficult to ignore the seeming connection between the best-known paranormal hotspots around the country and a strong Native American presence. Indigenous tribes seem to be on the edge of a nearly all of these paranormal outbreaks. And later in that episode... It's true, huh? It's really centered in those areas so much more. Yeah, in the same book, though, George Knapp says, like a, not even a chapter later, uh, let me find this, he says, there's not a shred of evidence for actual, you know, people turning physically into creatures. Right. Uh, and Tom Cowan's book, Fire in the Head, which you can get a hands-on, it's a really great book, he seconds this notion, and therein lies the rub. Um, there's a major paranormal and cryptozoological uptick around Native American lands and peoples, yet evidence remains as elusive as the creature itself. Well, I mean, what evidence could you possibly have other than getting on video the actual transformation? But we all have dash cams. We all have video. I mean, the thing back to the trail cam now, yes, we're finding some weird trail cam footage, but the, the well, Scully Muggle says we have trail cams all over the woods. Why not are we really, not? though? We have Do you a know lot. what they percentage? Meat, but we hang meat by the trail cam. The, the real thing for things. The thing to me is I'm hoping that this takes a turn. Like what's going on with the UAP UFO world with all these much better quality videos coming out? Yeah, they don't even um, like meat. Which I'll be getting into in my arc as we go here. I'm going to, uh, once it's my turn, I'm going to be starting down that road. I. I'm hoping the evidence will come. The the camera, the the thing with cameras being everywhere, people forget how new that is. It's it's really only been a few years in the scheme of things that cameras really are now everywhere. Everyone, yeah, and like the 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 small town monsters folks, they're they're yeah, fine. I mean, people but are I'm, finding. I'm, stuff. I'm hoping that ten years from now, we have much better coverage of this and we do have maybe some more things that can be considered real evidence but because this, of that. The, but where you're wrong in this is you're right but it has entered earlier there's there was a finding bigfoot where they actually rented this this camper that showed infrared the entire mountain range that they were next to you could just see the whole thing drones can now fly military over. level surveillance right. kind of thing right and trail cams are I, I said this years ago, I would say five years ago, I said if we don't find anything, if we don't confirm anything in the next five years, I question it. And I said that five years ago. Uh-oh. I, well, yeah. Now, Give it another five. Again, months. there's a lot of folks finding some strange trail cam stuff. I'm not right. going to argue that. But I would just think we would have seen, if you have that picture of the entire valley, you would think you would see some hominid climbing up a ridge that could not be done by a human. You'd think that would have happened by now. To me, I struggle. Unless they're... The technology's there, yet you know, we're not there yet. Unless they're four-dimensional or trans-dimensional sort of creatures that just phase in and out, and they know when we're watching. What if they know when we're watching and they make themselves not seen? Like Krampus Claus, exactly. I mean, who knows, you know? And one of them, you've probably never heard this word before, schizophreniform. Have you ever come across that word? It sounds like the name of a early days Pink Floyd song. Yeah, exactly. It's like psychomantium. Like, like Uma Guma or something. All right, so, hit me with it. What does that mean? Well, basically, your first psychotic break uh, usually occurs in late adolescence, early adulthood. And it's very common to hear your voice at that time. You, Someone hears someone else calling their voice. It's the predecessor, potentially, if it continues and it's problematic. Wait, you hear your own voice? 
You hear someone saying your name is very oh. common first psychotic break. Someone calling you out. Someone to the calling edge. you out. Gotcha. Now it's not necessarily if that happens to you. It can happen to me. It can happen to everyone eventually. I think we've all maybe experienced this, and I don't want to panic people, but it can be a predecessor to full-blown schizophrenia at some point. It can be the first psychotic break. It's a it's it's one of those portals you have to go through in life. Maybe it all depends on which way you come out of the portal as to which way it's going to affect you. And if you're a shaman and you don't heed the call, does that you know? Because there's there's a lot of studies between schizophrenia and shamanism. There's I've read a lot of them, and there's not a right. not strong correlations either way. Well, it's it's altered mind states, and right. it's a matter of whether you learn how to control it or not. I guess on a certain level. Well, there's a genetic component to schizophrenia that if you are if you suffer from this, it may not have a ton to do with shamanism. However, you cannot deny these similarities. Well, you, your brain's wired for it. It it, it, it exists on, in a different mind state than most people's. Yeah, I don't know, and I've I've always been interested in the subject. I've read a lot on it. I'm not 100% sure if you got someone early enough and got them to the right. If you meet someone mm. in the, from Native American heritage and you get them to a shaman, can you actually... I usually work with them afterwards, and it's yeah, not... Yeah, when it's already too late. It's, they're, on, they're on Western medicine, and it's not happening. Wow, what an interesting experiment. Like They've, they've did, done them, so... Give them shamanic training and see if it allows them I don't to start think controlling done the mindset. They immediately start big pharma. First. Oh yeah, the West would never buy yeah. into something like that. That's Basically, the they're going to give you medication before you hear your name called. Yeah. You might be hearing your name called, so we're going to give you some Thorazine. You know, that's the way we deal with things. But how would such an event be interpreted by a tribal member out on the res? Evil presence is out in the desert, and you hear your name called. Yeah, culturally, you're going to know right where to go with that. Now, I'm not saying this explains many sightings. Prevalence of schizophrenia is only about 1% of the population, but I thought about mentioning it because we've all heard our name called at different... I, I have, you know, so I don't... And I don't have the gene and I don't have schizophrenia, but I think... I've heard weird things. I don't. I can't think of an instance where I've actually heard someone calling my name, though. Yeah. Well, I mean, you don't get a lot of calls in general, I mean... <laughs> Nobody calls me, man. Nobody calls me. <laughs> the other piece is clinical zoanthropy. Therian Society, have you heard of these folks? Um, that, I've heard of the society, yes. I, I haven't heard of clinical lycanthropy, though. So there may be people acting like animals in your neighborhood on the res because they don't identify as human. Uh, more on that when we get into werewolves. But I just want to make a quick comment about it because... It's exactly what you think it is. Folks don't identify as people, so they believe they're shifting into animals. And the and the I guess the piece I want to make a point about is when those folks are in EEG or MRI or whatever they're they're putting the brain scans, uh, whatever they're undergoing. Right. They've kind of witnessed this cascading effect in the brain of a very strange patterns huh. occurring. So they've actually done the science on that, like real right. brain scans, seeing the brain activity while it's happening. Yeah, and something's happening oh, that, wow. they, that neuropsychologists can't explain. Yeah. Uh, I'm feeling good now, yeah, but I can't explain. But There's I, so, so little we know about our own brain, it's crazy. But something's happening. I think they need to be validated for that reason. I think... If you yeah, yeah. if you're looking at it and well, saying, well, that just means there's something really going something on. Really going just because we don't understand what's going on doesn't mean there's not something going on. Yep. 
we're, and again, we're not going to discuss this much. I want to move on, but I think that could be some of what we're seeing. Oh. Is if someone doesn't identify as a person, they may be acting like an animal at night. Right. And it's uh, again, it's not a. It, it's almost a therianthropic spiritual thing rather than because these people don't actually transform. My computer is beeping. There's these n- people don't actually physically transform though right again back to Cowan back to Knapp not a lot of evidence of physical like they don't put them in the MRI machine and a wolf comes out and eats them the nurse (laughs) but at the same time they're seeing something they don't understand on another level come out of the machine and eat the nurse you know what this is reminding me of is uh, altered states when he Oh, and this ties into like all the stuff we're talking about. He takes some psychedelics from South America, like some heavy psychedelics, puts himself in a sensory deprivation tank, and when they open it, he comes out like yeah, he's a caveman the at the missing end. link. He's all yeah, like half monkey, half man kind of thing. He he literally devolves. You were physically he transforms physically. You were so in the wrong section because there's yeah. actually a Carl Jung quote. I'm gonna. Okay. Talk about that, and okay. it is about Carl Jung covers this. We can well, jump I will ahead. Br- I will bring it up again when we get there. I can totally get lost and get to that. <laughs> I can spin ahead. Oh, that's all right. I'll bring it up again when we get. There. I'll go uh, the way forward machine instead of the but way it, back machine. That's funny that that comes up later because no, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it. We're gonna just figure it out because I'm okay. Want... Let's go. All right, I'm gonna find it. We've gone off the rails, ladies oh, and gentlemen, and we're on a crazy train. No, but this reminds me of something that's coming up here. Carl Jung, this is from Adler and Hall, 1976. Carl Jung provided the following interpretation of Nebuchadnezzar. He was turned back into a primitive man, and all his conscious reason was taken away because he had misused it. He regressed even further back than the primitive and became completely inhuman. He was Humbaba from the Sumerian stuff, from Gilgamesh, the monster himself. All this symbolized a complete regressive degeneration of a man who had overreached himself. You just, wow, that's yeah, so spot section. on, so spot on with altered states. I wonder if they based it on that story in a way, yeah. like a modern version of that. Now I got hypnopom- hypnagogic oh, next. Go. Hypnagogic upon sleeping, hypnopompic upon waking. The hypno is the sleep. Right. Clean. right. I always forget which is which, but it's in an, like right on that, again, on the, the edge border. of sleep, on the edge of sleep and consciousness. Right, and there's a portal monster when you go to sleep that you have to go through, which is why some people don't sleep by the way. Uh, but counts are oh, no lousy. Way. That makes a lot of sense. It's a boundary. Every boundary we're going to find monsters. Because again, we're slipping between mind states. Right. Just like when right. the skin walker turns into the wolf. Yeah. You remember MST, every country has its monster? Every country has its <laughs> monster. I think someone's already made that podcast. But this one's every boundary. Every boundary has a monster. monster. Right. And so, is every boundary a portal? That's a real question. Exactly. It is. As Dr. McCoy once said, the subconscious mind is a tricky thing. He said that in some episode. Damn it, Jim. I'm a doctor, not a portal. That's right. <laughs> exactly. But basically, these half-creatures and theriothropes are also showing up at these half-states. Uh, alien abduction scenarios keep coming up for dream paralysis. Um, the, the story with the tent last week. Uh, last smoke break. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Last week for them, an hour ago she for us. She totally describes a, a dream paralysis scenario where she can't move. Uh, yeah, that's a pretty intense story, yeah. Yeah. So spontaneous trance states. 
Roughly 2% of the population can enter a shamanic-like trance state spontaneously. Uh, if you add these last three together, a lot Wait, of people have some similar. So 2%. 2%. Yeah. That, that's actually higher than I would expect, honestly. That's Yeah. It's a decent, decent amount of people can yeah. do that. It's good for fat and milk ratio, too. Is that <laughs> but this is also that INFP, INFJ stuff we're talking about. We're not going to get back into that, but I think that's all related. Yeah, you told me I had superpowers. You do, because you are an INFJ. You're yeah. an INFP. I do have perfect timing. Yeah. That's my superpower. But here's a clinical psychiatrist account uh, from the western area of the Navajo Nation, which is... Not what you, you were talking about, the Eastern being the spookier. Eastern is definitely the spook. So here is this person's account. We mentioned this, uh, Corey Daniels, last week in his blog, an examination of the skinwalker phenomenon of the Navajo peoples of northern Arizona. Uh, whether or not these creatures, this is again from a clinical psychologist, whether or not these creatures actually exist is irrelevant to the harm they do to the psyches of the people who believe in them. She primarily treats Navajo clients at the local tribal clinic. She relayed to me that within three to four visits, 50% of her patients will usually admit that their problems may indeed be related to a skin. Walker. 50%. Wow. You know, that's your DSM-5. If we did that in this area, half the DSM-5 would be, well, that's your Wendigo right there. Wow. Um, that's a huge number. She says huge. that the, actually, that's what he says too. That is huge. She says that the belief is so pervasive and widespread across the reservation that is a real problem, and whether or not these creatures actually exist is irrelevant. Right. The damage they are doing is real. Uh, a couple of beliefs in skin... Walkers. Oh, did it again. With the pervasiveness yeah, yeah. of witchcraft on the reservation, and much harm can be done to the people's mental health and communities. And that's a great point, because it's like the whole placebo effect. I, I read a thing recently... Um, I was in the book I just finished reading. They they did a test with schizophrenics. Mm -hmm. So that kind of feeds into what we're talking about, the schizophreniform. Mm -hmm. uh, they had a new drug that was supposed to be helpful for them. I want a new drug. And they did a test with the drug and a placebo. And the placebo was more effective than the drug. That's a incredibly The simple common. fact that people taking it thought it would help made it help. If you believe in something hard enough, it becomes real. And like he's saying here, the simple fact that they truly believe that this is a thing that could be affecting them, who cares if it's actually real? Because to them it's real, which makes it real, right? Yeah. The placebo effect is always what you're trying to beat in any kind of trial and study, and it is a tough thing to beat. Like yeah. You actually have to be more effective than placebo to be relevant, and the placebo effect is strong. Your brain directed properly is way stronger than any drug you're going to take mm -hmm. is, is what I think that means. But but as Steve Martin said, it's actually pronounced placebo. <laughs> placebo. I'm taking this wonderful drug. My doctor prescribed it to me. It's called placebo. It's placebo. <laughs> but those out there doing podcasts, I think it's also a warning to those out there doing podcasts because we heard one recently together. We'll leave it nameless. But they were kind of poo-pooing. The skeptic of the crew was poo-pooing the whole, well, they don't even believe that anymore out there. Like, why are we even talking oh, about this anymore? Yeah. And I think it uh, does a disservice. We knew that as we heard it, as we researched this more. Dude, I just, out. I'm a white guy that lives in Arizona, and I was kind of upset with the way right. they were talking about yeah. 
the, the cultural things of the Southwest. Or what people believe or don't believe. I mean, yeah. just proceed with caution because... It's like, no one believes in that anymore. And it's like, have you been yeah, here, dude? Yeah. Have you talked to anyone in Northern Arizona? Because yeah. people definitely believe that still. they are convincing us not the other way around <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> so i want to just shift to the mythic and this is where you got to reel me in because it's one of my favorite sections and we want to okay. get feedback from folks if it's not one of theirs and if we got to keep things moving along but or we, we have a three-hour episode either way yeah <laughs> what had a three-hour tour Three-hour tour. Island, the spider and the volcano. Yeah, it all just, comes back to we that. We just loop around on ourselves on this podcast. No, loop we said is east of here. L-E-U-P-P. Yeah, loop. L-E-U-P-P. If you want to find that on the map where we're talking Good about. luck with that. Good luck juggling that shit. Right. <laughs> but people can experience a spiritual crisis. What happens when a shaman has one? Oh, boy. Vader. The shamans were often the leader, exactly, and the heads of the community. Now they're going, and I put this Sith, exactly. Oh, the Sithserer. The Sithserer. That's what exactly what we've been talking about. There you go. Well, here's Roger Walsh. If you ever want to read one book on shamanism, he has a really good one. Um, it's uh, it's it's called Shamanism. That's all I wrote. <laughs> wait, it's right here. It's called Can shamanism. I Can I reach for it? Yeah, dude. Oh wait. No, nope. I think it's in the nope. bag of books that uh, we dropped in the closet. Do you want to go get it? Yeah, okay. just wait. You you yeah, tell yeah. a joke while I go get this book. Um, how many shamans does it take to screw in a light bulb? How many shamans does it take to screw in a light bulb? They don't. They, it, they don't, don't need to. They, they do it. The they do it. No, they do it in their, with their brain. Oh, zero. Zero. Mm. Zero. It's there. the world of shamanism, new views of an ancient tradition, Roger Walsh. Yeah. New views of an ancient tradition, okay. Yeah, it's a Dig great it. it's a great one. He has kind of a transpersonal slant, so he's friends with the consciousness gurus like Ken Wilburn and whatnot. And there you go. Get a chance. Well, that's how you get to write one of those books, right? Well, I mean, most of the shamanism ones, you know, they does the whole Native American but this is yeah. this is Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. You know, so there's the real deal folks who have done it and been there. I think this is the best you can get from the the white dude from kind of the outside it. world yes. anthropologist. As close as you're going to get. I think he does a great job. Okay. Uh, here's a quote from him: "This dismemberment experience is similar to the Tibetan tantric practice of Cho, uh, C H O. Here, practitioners cultivate detachment and compassion by deliberately visualizing their bodies being dismembered and offered to hungry demons to eat. But whereas the tantrics, these experiences are voluntary visualizations for the shaman." They are involuntary trials. So the difference between the meditator is that the folks in the East are going up and they have this consciousness piece that they have to go through and they're meditating and they're visualizing and these things are happening and they're still pretty intense yeah. uh, per meditators. But, but the they shaman, kind of have control of it. Yeah, there's something different between the shaman who maybe an ancestral spirit says, hey, come here, Bobby. We're going to take you apart, strip you to your bones. A bunch right. of things are going to eat you. It's going to be fine. A it's real, going to be fine, Bobby. Just real trial by fire kind of go stuff. Go somewhere else in your mind, Bobby. <laughs> yeah. Not, not. And, and that's part of it, I, I'm sure, is being able to detach your mind from the experience. The surrendering to the experience is the part of it. Oh, and there you go. common dream. When the monster's at the door. Yeah. Right. What we talked about with the snake and actually just being swallowed by it and succumbing to the experience. But you are stripped to the bone, torn apart. 
uh, speared is a piercing thing that happens a lot with these things. So you're perforated, you're stripped to the bone, you're reassembled. Uh, that's the twice born. Like the uh, Jesus's. It's the second coming, exactly. Yeah. It's that different, that shift into that next level of consciousness. Hmm. And uh, but without a guide from a different culture, now today, you know what's happening to these folks. Does it go into madness? Does it go into sorcery? Right, because there's no one there to no one show there. them how to focus it and how to how to right. control it. Right, and even in the, in the in even the tribes are not having as many yeah. people understand, and, and is there's been kind of a degradation of it for for centuries, wow. pretty much. That's um. But the two main types of branches of helping spirits again are these nature deities, often in the form of animals, these totems, or these ancestral spirits. But what happens if there's no one on earth to kind of show you through these doors and right. what's the, happening? The actual physical presence of someone to help you through, yeah. This would be horrifying. And again, we find the edge of the shamanic initiation. What do we find? The boundary. We find right. monsters. That's where you get torn apart and put back together. Can we sing the MST thing one more time or should we just go move ahead. on? I'll and, edit it out later. <laughs> And there we go. And it's edited out. No. He didn't even sing it. (laughs) We'll sing it later together. Okay. But here's something I thought of recently. Do skin walkers recruit their own? When people disappear, are they out saying, you know, like, are they actually looking for you? I mean, Cisco's story is somewhat shamanic adjacent. He might be a shaman that just doesn't know it. Well, I mean, yeah. I really, that's definitely a possibility with him. Yeah. No doubt. So in some ways, he, he turned a corner, but at the same time, uh, would he have been recruited to some darker path if he'd kept going? Oh, yeah. You know, people disappear. And we don't know what happens to them. So like back to Campbell and Jung, there's consequences for ignoring, not heeding the call. That's what they call in the hero's journey. So you kind right. of ignore it. You keep streaming Hulu. What happens? If you're a shaman, you're supposed to save your community. And now you're just, you know, slinging and pizza and hub grub. <laughs> right? I'm just saying. Yeah, I, I, I mean, if you don't know you're a shaman and no one tells you you're a shaman, how do you know to follow the path of the shaman? Right. We're not getting a lot of guidance. Yeah. And if something like this happens to you... And the fact that you should be and aren't can actually have serious detrimental effects from what we've been learning. Right. It's a it's a heck of an initiation. Yeah. It is the most intense in many ways, you know, in my opinion. So I snagged this from werewolfpage.com. I would like you to read if you would. That's a great website, werewolfpage.com. I love it. All right. The werewolf is basically a universal myth. In Mexico, the most widely spread version of the werewolf is the one called Nahual. Yeah, Nahual? Yep. Which comes from the Nahuatl, the ancient language of the Aztecs, becoming thus the universal language in the pre-Hispanic world, the word Nahuali meaning warlock. Since the Spaniards did not bring much on werewolves after colonizing Mexico, the ancient local legends on the subject became predominant. The Nahual was a warlock who had the capability to shapeshift at will into an animal, oh, here we go, preferably a black or dark coyote, 
It was believed in the pre-Hispanic times that people were constantly threatened by these evil beings. According to modern-day Mexican indigenous beliefs, the Nahuales can shapeshift by performing any one of the following. Jumping over a wooden cross, getting into deep sleep, putting on an animal skin, or covering their bodies with an ointment made of herbs. Not everyone can achieve the transformation, just a few ones have been nature granted with the capability to perform the change. But they also need to be skilled warlocks or sorcerers or sisters. These you. legends also tell about the way to kill a, a Nahual or Mexican werewolf. Stoning or gun shooting, they can also be killed by using holy water, fire, or by hanging them. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of correlation there. The, uh, the whole, I don't get the wooden cross thing, but the getting into deep sleep, changing the mind state, and putting on the animal skin. I mean, that's straight up skin. Walker. Stuff right there. But they say warlock, but I think it's they're talking about a shaman. And again, no, that's, no. yeah, that's the term we're using because in the end, they're, they're all kind of fulfilling similar functions for their culture kind of thing. And the ones that don't, that seek personal power, stir up some trouble right and then although i don't see the ash thing in here that's always been the biggest thing in uh the the evil dead series yes ash, ash williams northern or the central north america i guess and what's now the united states those you know that the ash is like the big weapon to mm -hmm. use against it was these his guys. boom boom stick yeah my boom stick <laughs> this <laughs> is my boom boom stick, stick. <laughs> I, I think it was just boomstick. Boom. Yeah, I like boom boom. Yeah. But boom yeah. boom. The boom boom room. Everybody likes the boom boom room. That's an old one. That's before my time even. Well, I got one from that's, again. That's a Moz joke. The There's boom, a Moz boom. joke. But we're going to go back to Corey Daniels one more time. I think of, I want to actually give Mad Cujos out to this guy because I'm going to quote him oh, a third time. Corey Daniels wins this week's Mad Cujos Award. <laughs> Yes, I use the first hand, a personal account from him, a theory from him, so I got to give him some uh, some bad cujos. According to what was conveyed to me by a Navajo gentleman one evening over a campfire in Wikiup, Arizona. Been there. When a bad witch, there's actually really good cheese sticks if you stop on. Seriously? Yeah, it says beer garden is all it says yeah. when you pull over on the right if you're coming from Vegas. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, really good cheese sticks. Like better. I know exactly the place you're talking about. Yeah. I didn't realize they were good cheesesteaks. Yes. And that's hard to find out here. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Thank so you. We can end the podcast now and just. Yeah, I need to go get a cheesesteak. We'll be back in like eight hours. <laughs> but when a bad witch chooses his way, he will begin walking the dark path. Whereas not all his deeds will be bad, he will have these leanings and will increasingly choose this path. His practice and bad work will become increasingly become evil as he pushes the boundaries and becomes corrupted by these energies which feed his selfishness. Before he can become a skin walker, however, it is said that he must perform one last deed. He has to kill a blood relative. From this, there is no coming back. This act kills what is left of the part of him that is human, to which he truly belongs to the dark. Shortly thereafter, powers will See, creep... The dark isn't right anymore. He belongs to the Sith. Sith, Sitherer. To gain power of the skin, Walker, including shape shifting and invisibility, often you will be taught by another skin, Walker. But sometimes the power just comes and you become one on your own. Ooh, kind of like with the shaman, it can just happen to you without you even looking for it. Yeah, 
Oh, that's so much worse on, on, on the Sith side here. But I find that's what's happening with the sorcery and the degradation of it is if you lose this, if you lose this teaching path and you don't have any guidance, it becomes this individual effort. But even the shaman was morally am- ambiguous. Like right. they could be good, they could be bad, they could be sisters, okay. they could be helpful. Okay. Most of them were good and they helped their community. Right. But it was morally ambiguous kind of thing. And there's another reason. But not inherently, you know. Yeah, there's another reason it's morally ambiguous. It's kind of those are pushing through the third way, and it's actually, you know, they just do what they feel they need to oh, do in the okay. moment, and it can be perceived as good or bad. Many times it's neither. It but just is. It just is. Yeah. But some, when colonization came in, a dualism piece, it became more associated with the devil and it really put it into more of that category, right. which we'll kind of get to. Because um, that, that's demonizing right. the indigenous peoples by making their most powerful people just inherently bad. And that happened everywhere. Like everywhere I'm reading, I know it's not a surprise to many of you who have looked into this, but everywhere they came in, they were demonized, they were subjugated, the women were in charge, they just demonized them and pushed them out, and then you get your monongol. (laughs) Yeah, turn, turn, turn your competitors into the monster. Right. And then you win. Yeah. And then over time, we, we see the damage that came from that. Mm. And there's also this, again, this wounded man, this shamanic, you know, this theme keeps coming up over and over again. If you fail the test, when initiation actual, the demons pull you apart, but does anyone put Humpty Dumpty back together again, you know? So he was pushed. Yes, <laughs> and that that wall is still haunted. Actually, yeah, I bet it is. <laughs> we're gonna do a we're gonna well, do a lockdown I'll, by that wall, and we're gonna do. I, I got all my equipment. If the poem is correct, all the king's horses and all the king's men could not put Humpty Dumpty back together again. Which is why he still haunts that spot. Yeah. You know? But there's a wound associated with shamanic initiation, and there's a, a wound that won't heal. It's kind of like the Fisher King in the Arthurian legend. Uh, and they, I only know the Robin Williams movie. Yeah, it's close enough, you know. But Terry Gilliam, Brilliant I shouldn't movie. say that because I never know what Terry Gilliam's doing his own thing. So the other theme is therianthropes. Myth and shamanism is lousy with therianthropes, as we keep seeing. It's like a trope. Mm-hmm. Um, common entities encounters, especially on the right. Uh, you know, such monsters guard the world tree, the levels of consciousness, back to all of our boundaries all of our consciousness levels uh, there seems to be these half man half beasts everywhere yeah uh, all tro- the way up to bigfoot potentially right bigfoot's half man half beast yeah seems he seems it, right? to have all the same kind of back to appears that. and disappears and yeah exactly so back to hancock and with shamanism which we always have to come back to graham hancock a little bit uh, as for the monstrous half-man, half-beasts, therianthropes, the shamans believed that to enter the other world, they had to adopt various animal forms, and the paintings depicted them at various stages of transformation. Oh, so the caves, and again, we see that's your cave painting. They're actually trying to tell us about the transformations. Right. So we see ones that are full animals. We see ones that are more like men. We see ones that are therianthropes. It's right. the whole spectrum, wow. basically. Owl man, the source of our lion man, bison man. Ara rocks. Uh, the supreme images of the caves are unmistakably those of supernatural beings of spirit or ancestors depicted them as therianthropes and fully transformed animals. 
because this is exactly how they encountered them in their visions, how they continue to be construed and depicted to this day by the shamans of surviving hunter-gatherer cultures all around the world. And later, they're still shapeshifters and that they frequently appear in the therianthropic and animal form. That's Supernatural, Graham Mm -hmm. Hancock which we both own that book, but you have the hardcover. Yeah, and you're so jealous. I I can't believe how jealous you are just because I have the hardcover. Well, it makes me a little sad. Little parts of me die, but we'll we'll trade it at some point. You know, we'll have to figure out how to sweeten that deal. That's a first edition hardcover Hancock. That's not going anywhere except my shelf. All right, well, we'll just see about that, won't we? Maybe by the time I'm dead, it'll be worth something. (laughs) And and you need a signed edition. Oh, I do. How how do we get an interview with him? Is what I want to know. We make two hundred episodes and become popular. You just gotta stay overnight. By tomorrow, we'll be fine. We'll just call Graham tomorrow. There you go. Like, hey, we have seven episodes in the can. He seems like a cool dude. Maybe he'd come on. The last three are kind of incoherent. <laughs> yeah, we don't know what the hell we're doing we yet, but maybe he'll come on anyway. He seems he seems like a nice guy. He seems like a nice guy. So, But for the anthropological take, there's also that I want to get to. I don't think it's a coincidence that our creepiest entities on the planet are associated with shaman. One more Hancock quote. We'll move on. If we scratch at the surface of any religion deeply enough, we will sooner or later come to shamanism and the distinctive supernatural realms and phenomenon that shamans everywhere encounter in their visions. Mm-hmm. I have found that in my studies that I keep coming back to shamans already. So A lot of people will probably get mad at me for this, but when you really look at the correlation, the Jesus story and the shamanic myth are so similar. Jesus was a shaman, if you really look at... There's a piercing, spirit destiny. The transformation, the acceptance of his end in order to transform. It's very Gnostic of you. you I uh, was raised by recovering Catholics, (laughs) as they call themselves. There you go. But also the cave paintings of the, the sorcerer, Toifier. If you look at that, it looks just like a shaman. If you, That's in our yeah. supernatural books there. Uh, mine's yeah, the, that's what the antlers mine's stuff, the paperback. Right? Yeah. Well, it's like an owl face. <laughs> it's going to be okay. We're going to get through this as friends. But the uh but it's a kind of an owl face and yeah. it's kind of a person, but you know, it's kind of a in morphing transition with antlers. So really chimeric. It's bird and deer yeah. and man all at the same time. Yeah, and it's like the one of the first paintings given to us by the distant past. It's potentially wow. the one oldest the, one right, right and that what is it oldest what one we we're know, talking right? about you know so the older tales from folklore aren't necessarily evil i found an old blackfoot legend of a man who was helped by wolves after his two wives conspired to trap him down a hole and leave him for dead what did he do he, you know i <laughs> read the both story your wives get together on something like that he did something bad i, I don't think he did uh they conspired against him because they were bored they didn't like the lifestyle he moved out oh, of town that's nasty the story is he moved out of town and they didn't like it so they're like Let's i totally expected guy. He, i totally expected him to be the bad guy in that story but i guess i had it wrong nope they set up some leaves he, they know where he used to break and he, he'd sit down by this little rock up on the mesa so they just made a hole and they and they just pretended his normal wow. spot. He went up there and just fell down in this hole. So wolves keep him alive. Wow. And then he run, starts running with the pack, and he turns into a wolf, like he's part wolf and part human. And then he starts stealing meat from the village. So they catch, they actually capture him one day. So he just explains, he's like, oh, why? This is what happened. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry. So they actually side with him, and then the wives are offered to the 
Icona Katze, the compatriots, and they're actually sacrificed to these creatures that come and take the lives. Uh, comeuppance. Yeah, come I love uppance. stories with comeuppance. They got some comeuppance in that one. Uh, and there's a Zuni folklore of a woman who was saved by a white wolf who returns to her village after she was kidnapped by Navajo raiders. Near the end of her life, she crawls off and shapeshifts back into the white wolf to return to her pack. So they kept her alive. She goes back to the village and she returns. We see that return. So there's the the helpful shapeshifter. Yeah, it's not just. I wanted to kind of throw that out there that there's two interesting. Sides it's of a this. white wolf though. Yeah, and not a black wolf or yep. a darker brown wolf like you would normally see. And that's the name of the book, by the way. It's White Wolf Woman by Teresa Pajon. Oh, there you go. Um, and the story is called Ghost Hunter. If you want to learn more about some of those stories from that, it's a great book. I think I found that one in uh, Flagstaff Library uh, recently. But all the helpful shamanic practices have their darker counterparts, depending, of course, on intentionality. As noted by many scholars, things seem to get worse after colonization. Maybe some beings of power who went south would not have done so, minus the shit sandwich they were served by... <laughs> The oppressive colonizers. Yes. Yeah. White man came across the sea. It's, it's amazing how much bad you can create by doing bad. It doesn't help. It really doesn't help. But here's a counter theory. Since shamans were believed to be stronger in the past, as mentioned in various places in my research, skin walkers attacks were much more savage back in the day. And the story goes that today's version has devolved from more cold-blooded killers into more trickster-type antics. So it's like the magic is fading on both sides. Yeah, I don't know where I remember reading this, and I guess it's going to be an old business moment, but there was actually, like, they had competitions back in the day where the shaman would turn into different things. They would do all these amazing feats. They would fight each other and show their testimony. It's almost like the air shows of today. <laughs> you, know, you know, you just yeah, all go out enough. and see the shaman or, do stuff. It's like going to the football game or something yeah. right so th if they were the good ones like hey look what we can do there was actually a darker counterpart that was probably stronger that they had to fight sure well you it's know. the yin yang for every yes. everything there's an opposite you yeah. know but i can't imagine uh you know things getting any any worse like i think i look at the image of that thing out in the res today and i can't imagine something hundreds of years ago that's more powerful right <laughs> it's right. like that seems so much worse to me. Do you want to Durkheim? Let's Durkheim just for a minute. I don't know how to Durkheim. How do I Durkheim? Oh, oh, you're going to learn how to Durkheim. Well, here's Joseph Campbell explaining the ideas of French sociologist Emile Durkheim. Oh, it's a person. He argued that the collective super-excitation, sure-excitation of clan, tribal, and intertribal gatherings was experienced by every participating member of the group uh, has an impersonal infectious power, a mana. And this power... Group think, yeah. Right. And this power would be thought to emanate from the clan or tribal emblem, the totem. This emblem, therefore, would be set apart from all other objects as filled with mana, sacred versus kind of profane stuff. So this totem, this first cult object, would then infect with mana all associated objects through this contagion. It's like mass. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's catchy. The energy is contagious, right. yeah. Psychogenic illness. There would come into being a system of beliefs and practices uh, relative to sacred things, uniting in a single moral community of all believers. That was from Flight of the Wild Gander. That's Joseph Campbell uh, talking about Durkheim. It reminded me of this uh, Vedic stuff, so I, I pulled this piece out. 
Beginning darkness lay wrapped in darkness. All was undifferentiated. Aprakita uh, and Salila. Then within that one undifferentiated existence, something arose by the heat of concentrated energy, or tapas. And that's related to, uh, Jung has this thing where he felt the UFO was the next level of consciousness, kind of in a symbolic form that was happening. It was kind mm-hmm. of a, an ishta diva of, you know, heralding of the next level of consciousness. So it came right. in the form of a UFO. So everybody was seeing it because that's, that's kind of the... Because that would be the next level of existence for us, right? right? Is going out into space and existing off planet. Next level of consciousness. Which, yeah, it correlates. Well, it can. You start seeing reality completely differently when you take on, you know, we're not just earth people, we're galactic people. You're, you're going to go through a metamorphosis mentally. You're going to evolve. Right, but the Easter Diva piece... 2001, you know? The Easter Diva piece is that you get a symbolic representation in the next level yeah. because you can't, your brain can't process what's happening. So you get flashes of a symbolic okay. image. So Jung was saying this was the next bursting forth, the next level oh, of consciousness yeah. of the um, humanity. Basically, it was a flowering age in, of Aquarius stuff where the next level. A spiritual evolutionary harbinger. Right, a harbinger. And that's, again, when we come back to monsters, Ishtadiva, Ishtarasha. I feel like there's ones at the top and ones at the bottom. And if if oh. now we'll see an Ishtarasha because we're all slipping back. Because <laughs> we're going backwards. <laughs> we're going back towards the, the monster right. at the portal. So I think it's going to be a darker image. Not that the UFO can't be dark, but I think we might be facing a darker one soon enough is is my theory. Okay, then. It's a good segue to consciousness theory, which I want to get to. How much time we got? I mean, we're at However much seven. we want, man. But if we're experiencing some type of peak experience, cities, other type of ecstatic visionary experience, we are usually talking about an inward experience. Why do so many accounts involve multiple people? And that's the thing that, you know, when we talk oh, about the tulpa, true. it takes on this life of its own that kind of interacts. It's like the shared hallucination thing is very interesting. Like you, you're you experiencing something that isn't even really physically there, but someone else can see it too. That's always the most like impressive and interesting stuff to and me. And it seems to spill out a lot. The Ouija one, there was just, I mean, first of all, we just found out a bunch of our friends have Ouija board yeah, right. things that we never knew. Randomly we could start, do, yeah. we only interviewed a few people, we can do a Ouija board episode. Yeah, we didn't we're know almost that. there already, yeah. And then recently, I don't know if you heard, there was a Ooh, bunch of kids that had a Ouija experience. They all ended up in the hospital. Did you hear this? It was no. Yeah, yeah. Recently? Um, within the last 94 uh, months, I'd say. Oh, wow. Ouija board. Um, they all played Ouija. Multiple, like a dozen kids ended up in the hospital. Wow. Mass psychogenic illness. I guess we'll have to get a Ouija episode in sometime reasonably soon. We, we were pretty well planned out for a while, but yeah, we get that on the list. So I think what's happening here, and this is just my opinion, uh, uh, so don't take offense to it, folks, but we have, the res, we have Native Americans living here. I think they've created a thought form. This is a reminiscent of Durkheim's collective super excitation or this Vedic concentrated tapas. Uh, this might answer Knapp's question about how these things always seem to lurk near Native American peoples. If there's truth to this theory, who better than Navo to create such a potent sustainable thought form. Tired, disenfranchised tribe projects their fears out into the nearby desert, 
something monstrous in the form of their lost leaders and beings of power, the shaman crawls back out of the darkness on all fours. That makes sense. They, they all have believed it so hard for so long that it has no choice but to become real. Yes. Wow. That's deep. That's deep. There's also all these groups disappear in the Southwest. There's, is there an Anasazi curse? The Anasazi were the ones who were here. Yes. Okay. Well, before I go then, let's hear what you have to, you seem to have something to say about this, which I don't know what you're going to say. I'm just going to just stop talking. And no, honestly. I, I was just kidding there. I honestly think it's just the cycle. You honestly think? It's the cycle of drought, and it brings up an interesting question because it's, this has happened here a couple times before where they go into these, you know, this 1,200-year drought cycle in the mm-hmm. Southwest that we are now right. hardcore in again. Right. As far as we can tell, the last couple times this happened, everybody just left. Yeah. We're not willing to do that anymore. What yeah. happens when it hits that point where we really just kind of need to leave and there's like 8 million people in Arizona that don't want to. Yeah. That's going to be an interesting moment. Yeah. The moment is coming very soon. But you're right. Like that's been one of the major explanations for why people moved around and disappeared was they were following the game. They're following the water. Right. But there's also this lingering Anasazi curse. Anasazi means ancient ones, if you look it up. But a Navajo personally told me it means ancient enemy. Ancient enemy. I've heard that same thing. Which yeah. verified somewhere. Uh, among the first settlers of Arizona, the Hohokam means the vanished ones. Uh, further south, the Maya also disappeared as well. And that was a huge civilization that just kind of up and Yeah, that's in. a big one. Yep. So the shaman class, or many of them, disappeared after the tribes were herded in the reservations. We have another disappearing of movement uh, with all these entire tribes vanishing, is there an ancient curse feeding this phenomenon? Mm, yeah, could well be. And Louis L'Amour wrote dozens of books about the Old West. Do you remember him? Oh, I've read a number of his books, yeah. Yes, he was more Zane Grey than Zane Grey was, if that's even <laughs> yeah, possible. Yeah, there you go. But for his last book, he totally shifted gears and did this thing called The Haunted Mesa. He explores the disappearance of the Anasazi. The book is steeped in Indian folklore and mysticism. He totally went in a different direction. Huh. You know, I got interested in the area. I actually have that book on my shelf. Wow. But I thought it was just another one of his novels, and I haven't read it yet. No, I'm going to have to go home and read that. It's a different one. Wild. um, I didn't even know that. Well, we're going to have some quotes from that coming soon. But you poke around the haunted maze and long enough, and the haunted maze pokes back at you, I guess. It's like staring into the abyss, and it stares back. Yes. Yeah. So Scully Muggles, let's just talk about what they might be saying. Do we really have to do this? I guess we do. Uh, fear itself. <laughs> Don't give those <laughs> skeptics any. Actually, what it's called is Sir Richard Scully Muggles Skeptics Review. You're, you're, you're full of crap, and that's the nicest thing that I can say. What are skeptics saying about the skin? Walkers. Nothing. They always say the same thing. Delusions, excitable of the witness, emotional states of the witness, mass psychogenic illness, hoaxing. I don't know. I don't know what they would say yeah. as to why. Well, they would just say that they can't really change and they don't really have powers. They're just crazy people who do want to do bad things. That's what I think it all comes down to. I think they should go live on the res for a while. Yeah, right. And get back to us. Drive from Winslow to Four Corners walk. At, at 3 a.m. Walk from there. <laughs> There you go. In the middle of the night, go walk across the eastern side of Navajo Nation and tell me there's not something weird out there. I 
tear you. We'll yeah. probably never see you again is yeah. what will really happen. Well, and then you could be recruited or eaten. Yeah, you'll, next thing you know, you're, you are the monster. That's right. So here's my whole guano file. Oh, no, here it comes. Quick, to the batshit signal. Um, and stick with me on this one. Functioning medicine man, which is what we found from the Navajo res before things got weird. We get ad colonization. We get this wetico, this fear contagion, this bad event, these outside coloners, the wetico. Medicine man plus wetico equals tulpic monsters. And that's kind of what I was getting at where so this, you know, this, the fearing time kind of happens. You're sprinkling liberally with some dead baby powder. You blow it in someone's face. You get a tulpa skulking around the res. Dead baby powder. What? Just every time I, oh. It's those Johnson and Johnsons. Oh. Looks like there's trouble at the Johnson Ranch. So the the shaman plus fear, basically. Yeah, you've got equals, this terrible thing. Equals a created monster this that thought people form, the topa, create topa from, from their fear and belief. Yeah. Wow. So the yeah. So we create our own monsters. Yeah. That's my. That would make a lot of sense. It really would. It's not supposed to. It's the Ahu Guano file. <laughs> your, your your craziest thing makes a lot of Made sense. A lot makes a lot of sense. So now we have our Scully Molder believability scale. They feel your methods. Your theories are spooky. Do you think I'm spooky? Wait, why am I Scully? And I'm going to start with you. I totally believe. I believed before. I believe still. I'm I'm a ten, dude. I, there's there's something out there. I've 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 experienced it multiple times. Wow, that's powerful. Like, yeah, it'll be more powerful when we hear your your story. Like I told one that is very basic, a little freaky, Today. but nothing yeah. much to it. I have a couple more, my shared one, and then my own that definitely convinced me that this is a thing. That's right. So there's a you and Logan story, and there's your right. own. And there's there's the me story, level. and there's the me and Logan story. Right, and they're both hardcore experiences that like every, like and it fits add up all the, all the characteristics of those two stories together and it's exactly what we've been talking about these last two episodes dang 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 and that's what we I tried to pick stuff but it was pretty easy because they follow these themes why yeah. do if well, nothing's happening why does so it follow similar. right why do they fall into these different buckets of similar weirdness yeah. you know so I said the Navajo take this very seriously. They were driven from their home, predominantly hunter-gatherer society, shifted to agricultural by force and to reservations. As a result, many of their lost their community leaders, their way of life, their whole place in the universe. This is what uh, Wetico tulpic energy kind of angle manifests, I think. And their shaman crept away into the hills, or many of them did, and some resorted to darker Sissery. I want to make this work. I have Sissery, like sorcery is Sissery. I have respect for shamanism despite my new word. And I think on some level, some of these medicine men had or have real power. What they can actually accomplish is still an unknown to me, but they are beings of power. I believe that I 10 for 10, I do. But we can also both attest that how spooky this whole area is. And, and I, I agree with you that I, I've jumped 
maybe when I started this, I thought there was something to it. I would say, do I think, again, there's no evidence that someone can physically transform into a creature. That is much lower for me, and I don't even know how to quantify that, maybe a four or three. But is there energies out there that resemble that? I would be more of an eight. So you believe mostly in the power of people to do the like the power of the medicine man and the shaman but you don't necessarily buy into the full physical transformation side well there's even that piece of it that they were more powerful back in the day and that they're losing that and these stories seem to be more and i don't know i haven't heard yours i've heard the one that you've told me but there's two other ones they seem more cryptoid than cryptid Right. And they seem to shift and they seem to be more paranormal and they seem to be strange. And how physical they are is an unknown to me. Yeah, that's fair. That's totally fair. Multiple people experience the same thing. I don't deny that. So I think there's there's a phenomenon happening. But I don't, I'm not sure, I, I, I'm not sure the physicality piece of it, uh, that's an unknown to me. Fair it enough. Remain so. So, we're going to conclude with our Wolfman Puck scale. This Ooh, is... Wolfman Puck's Cryptid Culinary Corner. Yes. Your entree, sir. <laughs> and uh, do you want to go first? So, we did practice this one, so I know what it is you yeah, want we me did to prepare. Our, we did our dress rehearsal. I was very upset with you. When you told me that we had to actually e- do this, even, even not us eating it, the wolf man eating it, the cryptids eating it, yeah. that we had to prepare a skinwalker. Right. Because this is a person, dude. We're not supposed to eat people, remember? Yeah, he, We've gone through this. This is a, a fictional segment in a podcast of guys just drinking beer. And the beer. wolf man is eating it, not us. Well, so you don't have. You I know, just if you had to prepare. I just want. I just want. I just want your friends. I, I just want it on the record that I'm doing this one under protest. But I'm wow. still. But I'm still going to kick your ass. All right. All right. So the the only way I could see preparing one of these things for anyone, cryptid or not, I, I would build a nice big fire out in the desert. And I would strip down the meat. I'm going to try not to think about that process at all. But what I would do is I would strip it up. I would rub it all down real good with sage. I would I would season it with sage. Oh, you're doing like a cleansing while you yeah, eat. Yeah, and then I would throw it over the, the natural fire, which I might actually throw some sage in the fire as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and use, use the juniper wood. It gives a really nice flavor. So you're using the things that will kill it. I'm trying to neutralize the, the, the badness. Wow. Is what I'm trying to do. In the meantime, I'd go out and harvest some wild onions. They grow all over the place out here. Oh, I have that too in mind about the juniper and the thing. Sage. Oh, yeah? No, I don't. But uh, See? <laughs> see? I'm out thinking you, man. Dang. But that's that's the only way I could see even thinking of feeding that to anybody. Cryptid or but what are you making besides the preparation H here? I'm 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 making barbecued skin. Walker. Yeah. Okay. With with a dry sage rub. 
I have to say in wild onions. I don't know what. Oh, and you know what else? I will serve it with a uh, filleted butterfly prickly pear cactus cactus piece. Yes. Wow. There you go. Super local. Little peyote chaser. That's your veggie with the onions and the cactus and some saged skin walker meat. I am making skin blanker stew. Basically, it's 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 not stew. <laughs> <laughs> it's not stew. Yeah. Nice. Four Roma tomatoes, three chipotle peppers, uh, and one adobe chili chopped. Uh, that's the ratio. I wouldn't budge from that. Don't forget chunks of potato squash, plantain, some fry bread on the side. You got to keep it traditional, like at Bojo's. Um, the beer I would pair with this stew. Oh, I forgot the beer. Would be uh, it's too late now. No, yeah, I'll give you. You can do beer. Okay, I'll think about that. The, I would pair it with Uinta Brewery's Detour. It's a nice double IPA. The brewery named after the nearby Uinta Mountains. Uh, it's our other skin Walker hot spot. So it's like a double pairing with a double IPA. Fair enough. You know what I would drink with it is a uh, chicken killer barley wine out of Santa Fe. You ever have chicken killer barley wine? Well, I mean, do you know why? Because on the I'm listening on the label, it looks like a dude wearing a sombrero and a and a pon- like a Mexican poncho, the mm-hmm. woven poncho, mm-hmm. but it's a dog standing up on its back legs. Dang, you came out again. Oh. Yeah. All right. I'm going to give you I'm that. I'm great on the spot, man. I'm great under pressure. It's when you think about it, you do terrible. Terribly. But, wow. So so the last time, the first part of this, you came up with on the fly. Mm-hmm. And then you didn't have a beer because we just started making sure we- We weren't even doing it, that then. Pair yeah. it with a beer. That's what we decided by episode two. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And you then came up with that on yeah. the top of your head. Yeah. It's one of my favorite barley wines, too. So Dang. I guess I'm going to have to give you this one. So, sadly. Nice. I still won. Awesome. But warning, avoid eating humans if you're pregnant or may become pregnant or you do not want to turn into an insatiable, shape-shifting, theranthropic legend. Yeah. What if you do want to turn into that, though? Well, then you should just eat what I should we go talk. become a skin. Make sh- walker. Mm. Make sure you do the chipotle and the adobe peppers to the right ratio. I don't have that many relatives, and I don't want to kill any of them, so I guess I'm not going to be able to do that. Yeah. Well, yeah, I got you beat there, so I'll I'll see you on <laughs> the dark side. <laughs> you got lots of options left. <laughs> oh, wait, which which one? Can I, can I just kill them all? <laughs> Do we have to limit it to one? <laughs> right. Can I just do the whole thing, like all of it? That would make me better. <laughs> oh, no. What, what else we want to do before we go here, Maz, and wrap up this skin Walker saga? I am not done yet. What I'm. Oh, you're not? I thought we were done. What I would like to try to do is always try to end on a real world example. I'm going to try to do this when I can, going to bring it back home for people. Oh, cool. Okay. And this one will leave you stunned and speechless. It changes everything, really. Uh, Sadly, I solved a childhood mystery here. It's an exciting moment for MLT history. It's my first. We're not going Scooby-Doo again, are we? Oh, gosh, no. Okay. Where the wild things are. Yeah. No, wait, 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 wait. Before you (laughs) say anything, think about it for a second. I do love that book, actually. Okay, so just think about it for a second. And I won't say anything. Think about the pictures. Oh, the kid is 
transforming. He's wearing the the skin. Walker. Oh. Yeah. He's wearing the animal skin yeah. and dancing with the wild things. Yeah. He he is a child Sithra. Now I'm sure other people made this connection. <laughs> he is a child Sithra. Hang on. Let me I will I will defend my thesis. He's a Vader in training. But here's the thing. I, I know other people have probably made this connection, but I came I was reading Stephen Asma's thesis on monsters and the moral imagination, and I came across the title, which I hadn't heard in a while. And I, as soon as I heard the title, the envision of that kid with that suit. He's wearing a wow. wolf pelt. But anyway. Yeah, yeah, and he's even got his head covered and everything. Yes. It's like the whole onesie thing. As soon as I heard it, I said, I have to go back and read the book, and I did. For this podcast, it's it's a quick one. You can read it in an afternoon. Yeah, it's not going to take a lot of your time. But here's my analysis. Uh, I I think Maurice Sendak is is the master sisterer, and just bear with me. Bear with me. Okay. So God, image one, the first picture of the book. Yeah, uh, uh, finds Max angry and donning a wolf suit. He's nailing a line of handkerchiefs to the wall with a hammer creating a makeshift clothesline that is inadvertently hanging his yak, a dog puppet, if you look at the picture. Oh, no way. Yeah. He's also standing on a pile of books or grimoires, so he's obviously a madge of considerable strength. Huh. Second image, he's being completely sociopathic and chasing the family dog around with a fork. Whoa. Yes. The family dog, that would be a thing to become a skin. Yes, Walker. He's like Rupert the monkey boy, you know. And what do we do, Rupert? No, we apologize. Mm. <laughs> what movie? Anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll have that for old business. Okay. Let's remember his name is Max, which means mightiest, most eminent, senior, distinguished chief, or he's basically the elder. Now back to our theme of the skin. Walkers. Step one, he dons a wolf suit. Step two, he threatens the family dog. Step three, he threatens to eat his parents. I'll eat you up. Oh, my God, he does. The very act that will turn him into either a Wendigo or a skin. Walker. But he's not an idiot. Oh, my God. He's going to go the full skin. Walker. Texas. Ranger. Right. That's what this kid's going to do. <laughs> then his parents do the worst thing anyone can do for a budding sister. They send him to bed without supper. Oh. Bad idea. What were they thinking? You know? Oh, my God. Maz, you're blowing my mind, dude. Then he has this typical ayahuasca jungle vision in his room as part of this hypnagogic thing going on. The jungle grows in the room. There's no and snake. There's a hallucinogenic side to it, there's, too. Yeah. There's no, I looked out at the whole thing. It goes picture. through the portal. But the big missing link here, there's no snake in any of the in the pictures of, of him. In the, They're I, not even represented in the pictures. No, no it's the only mistake. It's the only, it's the only what if or question mark I have from Morris. So he crosses a water threshold beyond space-time, and he ends up in this land of therianthropic beasts. That's the portal right there when yeah. he crosses the water. And then what color are their eyes? Yellow. The second most common. Are problem. they really? Yes. You can read the book. He finds half- It's been a while, I'll admit. Half bull, half man, half bird, half man, half rhino, half man. And one looks like Neil from The Young Ones. Seriously. I don't know what that means, but it's true. I don't know how that ties I don't know in. what that means at all. Oh, you never saw the young ones? Oh, I got some I don't kids. Think so, no. You got some kids in the room, some kids in the hall. That's another old reference. Sorry. 
That's all I do is Kids in the hall, I know. All right, there you go. That new stuff was good, man. Yeah. A little disturbing, go. but very funny. Yeah. Just like us. Which is what the kids in the hall were all about. So that what, you, we're if about. you're not a little disturbed, they weren't doing it right. We're a little disturbing. We are a little too. disturbing, yeah. But in that moment, all, you know, basically he then controls them. He says, be still. He says, and tames them with the magic trick. In that moment. There's your sister power. Yeah. He asserts his power. In that moment, all the creatures gnash their terrible teeth and their terrible claws. He, they become his yeks, his eichlas, his familiars. He is the king of the wild things. Wow. Then they all start to do the wild rumpus, which for lower energy. Let the realm, wild rumpus start. Exactly. And I think that's an energy realm, lower energy thing for an orgy is my theory. So it's a bestiality it's reference. It's orgiistic. That I missed as a child. Yeah. I completely missed that reference. Orgy doesn't have to be a sexual thing. Right over my head. Yeah, it could just be a ritual. And, you know, enthralled to dancing all night long is very orgiistic. But a dance ensues, which is inducing a, f- a further altered state of consciousness. We're totally in this witcheral, w- ritual, witcheral. Yeah. Then he doesn't partake in the food there because if he had, he would have to stay there. They all go to bed without supper. Oh, what's that connected to? If he eats there, he has to stay. Is that, that do you any, know of any fairy ring? Anywhere oh, you go, any thing. underworld, any any time you go to the other world, oh, you don't right. partake of the food, or you have to stay. Or you there. become a resident. Yep. He says he embarks on the journey back. You know, to where he's loved most of all is what he says. So it sounds like he's journeying back from hate to love. From right? hate to love, man. That's the road we're on here at he's Monster Lotor. He's not. Listen to what is actually Maurice Sendak is saying. I know oh, you fell no. for that. The problem is he's really driven by hunger. He smells something tasty across the sea. I mean, this kid is already primed to slaughter a village of sand people, he's, he's like a, you mentioned he's earlier. A, uh, a Wendigo. The he hunger, wants to go eat human flesh. Well, you know, we can argue when, I mean, maybe we got to put this out to folks and they can make a decision, but he's, hunger's driving him. That's the trickster urge, and he's being driven back mm-hmm. by hunger, not love. I guess everything else does point to the skin. Walker. Texas. Ranger. Thing. Yeah, that's my opinion. Uh, Sandak claims the journey back t- took a year and a day, yet his dinner is still warm. Hmm. Why? Mm, time travel. Sendak the sorcerer hits you over the head with it. Max is, when the last scene, Max is still in a wolf suit. The moon is still full when the boy returns. Presumably he's... And it's a full moon? Yes. Well, there's actually and one... And he's in a wolf suit on the full moon? There's actually, if you look at the book, th- there's, there's, witch's room, there's a couple of crescent moons and a couple of full moons. So it also doesn't make sense. Oh, so the moon goes through phases yes. too, huh? And it's the two you would expect oh, to have That's going to take some more study. Witch's moon, full moon. Werewolf, witch. Werewolf, witch. He hits oh, you over the head with it. Okay. And when he gets back, presumably his dog is still hanging in the closet. So what is the combination of a werewolf and a witch? It's a skin. Walker. That can change back and forth right. like a werewolf, but has the powers of the witch. Yes, exactly. Uh, and when we come back, where... Where's the hugs and kisses and getting tucked in the bed after this long journey? Where's the family dog? There's nothing there except a plate of food. Max, Does he eat it? Max stands alone with his power. He, I think I think that um, he ate the flesh of his kin, and he's now consumed utterly by the dark side. Oh, we should have had a parent. And he's become a full-blown sister. We should have put a parental warning on this probably before we... Yeah, I can sorry. add that in Is later. it too late? Yeah. We, I think that kind of comes with the whole podcast, honestly. Yeah, I think any human should we probably swear a little just bit. We get into some dark this stuff. or listen to it yeah, or whatever you guys are it's, doing. It's definitely PG-13 at least. Yep. 
But I think we solved it, Mr. Perkin Jenkins, uh, for where the wild things are is Max, the child skin. Walker. Where the wild skin thingies are is what that should be called. <laughs> and I think Maury Sendak has some splaining to do. I mean, the I love that book. I read it to my kiddo. I uh, loved that book. That was my favorite book for a good while when I was a kid. Because we're, we're like the Monster Lore Tour, even as kids. Yeah, I w- and, I've uh, been on this Monster Lore Tour since I was a kid, and I've been on it my whole life on this tour, going down these roads. I feel it's uh, it's really it's changing. It's changing what I think about my youth, and it's it's making me a little scared, a little sad. Yeah, makes, that's what we do. That's what we do here. Like, it's the subtle influences, you know, those societal yeah. indoctrinations and stuff. I definitely got a weird side of that, I think. Yeah. Because now that you give me all that about that book, it st- kind of explains me a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, and I, I'm both. I've been into this stuff before I ever even realized it. Yeah. I think there's a, a lot more going on with this book than meets the eye. I I'm going to have to read that again. I got to get a used copy of that at Bookman's or something. Yeah. Yeah, well, good luck with that because it could could be a dark grimoire and you could end up, you know, I don't know, it could be a gateway book, you know. So that's that's what I got. That's what I'd like to end on today. Crazy, man. You I'm do, sorry. You do strange things to my brain, Moz. Can this, we get out of here now yes. before you make me totally weird? Yep. <laughs> oh, wait. Oh, no, wait. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. I have an episode coming up. <laughs> Bookstore, yet two days ago, Bookstore found the sequel to Goodnight Moon. It's good night sea monsters. <laughs> and it is so bizarre because it's saying good night and it's going back through all the ancient fish that could eat you back in the day. No way. I'm not kidding. Did like, you buy it? No, but it's I think it's by the same good night moon people, which is oh, again too funny. A little we got the moon going. We got some now they're just coming out fully as and everything's dark. All the pages are the dark green, dark blue of these monsters. It's like Megalodon. Good night, Megalodon. Oh, you so should have bought that. But if you get a chance, I'll I'll maybe do a, a good night sea monster segment at some point. Oh, we got to get our hands on that. I, I read the whole thing because it's like as long as Good Night Moon. Like I could do it while I was right, waiting to open. I was there before minutes, it opened, yeah. and it was one the when they put the books outside. Uh, I was like yeah. reading it before the place opened. Too like, funny. Good times. Anywho, all right, can we get out of here now? Good night, Moon. Uh. Good night, skin. I I got Walker. first reported encounter with the creature came from a man named known Jeb Ooh, a man named known what a man named Jeb he's a poor mountaineer I'm gonna have to edit the shit out of this let me try it again barely kept his family fed <laughs>